0: Welcome to Blood and Spirit, the podcast for Black families evolving. I'm your host, N'Djamilay Ali, and my guest today is Shari Brooks and Steve Lyons. Shari and Steve are the co-founders of Back to My Roots, with a Z. The store and website carry products that support overall wellness of body, mind, and spirit. Shari is a former resident of Albany, now residing in the Atlanta metro area with Steve and one-year-old son, Ashabi, who's also present today. Welcome, Shabi. Welcome to the podcast, Ashabi and Shari and Steve. Thank you. So before we get started, uh, I'd like to ask you, which is something I ask all of my guests, because I think it's such such a window into culture, what is your favorite non-alcoholic drink? That's an interesting
1: question. <laughs> I well, I like
0: homemade
1: lemonade.
0: Homemade lemonade. Yes, yes. Um, and,
1: um, lemonade and limeade. Those would have to be number one because that's what oh. we drink when we're not you know, drinking mm-hmm. any type of juice or water.
0: So, right. Same. Same. How did that come about for you?
1: Um, resources. Tired of going to the store, getting, used. <laughs> and then learning about all the different sugars and the unnecessary additives, excuse me, in the drinks. Mm-hmm. I just decided to make my own. And it's much better. It's a lot more fulfilling. And we actually that came about specifically when one of us was ill.
2: Yeah, I was dehydrated, and I needed a hydration solution mm-hmm. than Gatorade. And I found out that pink Himalayan salt, lemon. And honey was like one of the best ways to hydrate, rehydrate your body.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, awesome. I, the combination with spring water and it became one of our favorite drinks.
0: Very good. So you you always sweeten it with honey? Yes. Okay. And do you? What's your preference between the lemonade and the and the limeade? What's number one, or or are they equal?
1: Recently, it's been the limeade. Well, that hasn't been what less than a month we've been using like limes. Uh-huh. But, yeah, using the lemons um, initially.
0: Do you use the key limes or any or regular limes? Key limes. <laughs> key limes. Oh, that's such a such a wonderful flavor. That demonstrates that your culture is leaning toward um, health. That you've definitely incorporated health into your routine, and your drink is reflective of that that addition is, is is that is that focus on health recent for you no okay
1: no um, our, our health focus collectively let me see 2015 mm-hmm. that's when we really um started getting serious and more conscious about the things that we were in taking our drinks and um just our diet our overall diet <clears throat> Begin to take a, an interesting transition um, because we noticed uh, the fatigue and our ch- the changes in our moods and just changes in our overall sleep patterns when mm. we were eating unhealthy uh-huh. versus we, when we made a conscious decision to um, enhance our way of life through our eating habits. So once we did that, we were able to compare and contrast you know where we were spiritually and emotionally not only physically but spiritually and emotionally based on our eating habits and we chose you know health we chose wellness over just um over indulgence and comfort because that's pretty much how we were eating just out of comfort and taste
0: awesome can y'all slide over a little bit because i, I i'm not only getting like a, a sliver of steve okay there we go All right. So, so that's, that's good stuff. You're good. That's good stuff. So, um, your Facebook page describes, you know, the kind of the wonder and the joy, you know, that you're experiencing right now, this phase of your life. Tell us some more about that. What's going on? Well,
1: it's an interesting, um, freedom that I've been experiencing. Of course, it's a different change. It's a change in pace, not just, um, in our business life but our family life has transitioned. So to put all of that um together at one time has been an experience. Um, you know, we've recently opened back to my roots. Well it's going on what nine months?
3: Yeah. Nine yeah. Months,
1: Ten months. Ten months. And so last that was last August. The end of August. The end of months. August. And a shop was born in March. So everything just kinda happened. He was born March of eighteen, and we opened the business August of eighteen. Wow! And so from March to August, it was just a huge transition and, and shift, you know, to prepare us for what we're experiencing in the next level of family and legacy.
0: How um, what what's his birthday? I'm a March baby too.
1: March thirty first.
0: Thirty first. One one week after me. Okay, awesome. So, you know, you and I, uh, um, Shari, talked some years ago, before you decided to make this move to the Atlanta area, about the fact that uh, you have been adopted and in a very, very uh, well-loved environment. And so tell us about that. What was that like?
1: In the environment that I was adopted into? Yes. Okay. My family, if I had not known that I was adopted, I feel that they love and appreciate and support me like any other family.
0: (laughs) I hear you. The whole deal, right, Ashabi?
1: Better experience with um, my mother, my grandmother, my aunts, like the matriarchs of my family are just everything that I've ever known and so when I see and recognize the beauty of the black woman these are the women that I look to for um, guidance my support you know my love and we we have we have a a wonderful relationship between between my family and myself
0: that's awesome how would you uh, what kind of advice would you give to parents of adopted children about communicating that information to their children
1: Well, my experience, I would say, from my experience, I would say um, it would be to just share with your child who, the best as best you can, who and what they may have come from um, at a time where you feel they're mature and emotionally um, mature enough to to accept the terms and the ideal idealisms that come from um, trying to recognize, you know, the fact that they've been adopted mm-hmm. into a different family. For me, I found out when I was um four. Okay, three. I was three or four, and so mm-hmm. that was a little soon, simply because it's all I thought about. You know, I was a deep thinker, so oh. I once I once i was able to digest that information Mm -hmm. you know i had a lot of questions
3: Mm -hmm. and
1: there you have open adoptions and you have closed adoptions open adoptions the children are able to still stay in contact with their biological family and parents
3: and Mm -hmm. a closed
1: adoption is the opposite you know the paperwork is drawn out and the doors are closed the biological family goes their way and the adoptive family goes on to raise, you know, that child. So mm-hmm. in my my um, situation was a closed adoption. So I was 18 years old to um, contact my family. So from three or four years old to 18, you know, that was a long span of time for me as a child, you know, to, to try Dad, to Dad. make sense of something Dad. that I could not touch, feel, see, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. so that, that was interesting for me to to transition and and learn more about myself through myself.
0: Mm-hmm. That's, that,
3: mm-hmm. that's what I had to work with at the time.
0: That's very interesting. That's something I hadn't considered. You know, the fact that it then that uh, becomes um, a focus of yours. And I've spoken to people who found out much later, who kind of wish that they had found out earlier. Because right, you know, right. because their thing is like, okay, now I understand where that void was coming from. Before they felt something, but they didn't know exactly what they were feeling. That's, right.
1: That's why I say it's just kind of situational. Like, you know, mm-hmm. the parents themselves really need to um, tap into their children and just base it off of, like I said, emotional maturity.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some
1: children are able to cope and the parents are able to answer whatever questions they need you know and the, until they're comfortable enough to to you know wait or decide whether or not they would like to meet their biological families I other you. children you know they may cope differently so i think it's just uh, case by case
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um steve i don't have any prior knowledge of your uh family background tell me what what how you grew up
2: oh, I grew up mostly on the east side of Atlanta, Decatur. Um, Mm -hmm. Came with my grandma sometimes on the south side. So a little well-rounded with the city of Atlanta. I had my whole family except for my father. So my mom, my auntie, and my grandma raised me. They had a very wholesome family life.
3: Um, Mm
2: -hmm. Raised in a Christian household. And uh, they made sure we had, you know, Strong morals and values, and uh, we respected everyone that we came across.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I still carry those values, even though I'm not a Christian anymore. I still don't have that respect for everyone I come across.
0: Right, right. And, um, you said your dad. Um, except for your dad, do you did you ever meet him?
2: Yeah, I, I knew my dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, see him maybe every three, four years or mm-hmm. or so. He was How always. He just wasn't around.
0: How did you feel about that growing I mean, up?
2: I had a lot of anger about that growing up, a lot of resentment. But after you know expressing that to him around the age of maybe sixteen or seventeen, I started to I started the process of letting it go, and I didn't really get over it until after I started my spiritual journey.
0: Started your what spiritual journey? Yes, my spiritual journey. Uh huh. And how did he respond?
2: Well, <laughs> his response was, You can't make up for lost time, and it is what it is.
0: And so, has present time started a process of communication and interaction?
2: Well, he passed three years ago. Ah. So, before that, we saw each other maybe two or three times, had a beer. Talked about some things, but it never really came up. We never got to, you know, give, really
0: give bridge the gap in the relationship,
2: right? Mm-hmm.
0: So that's a that's an interesting um, process. I mean, not in, it's a difficult process that many many families uh, go through, and um, I think that that's part of the evolution that we have to deal with. What whatever was the reason that the that the parents uh, didn't stay together hopefully, you know, there can be a a way for them to still get the benefits of both parents, so. so, Gary, you were living in in Albany for a while before you moved to Atlanta, so so tell me about um, your pre-Albany and your Albany times. How did that go? Okay.
1: Pre-Albany, I was born and raised in Macon, Georgia. I had a really Christian-based foundation Mm -hmm. My schooling was Christian school from the time I was three up until, I want to say about seventh grade, seventh grade. Yeah. And I went to public school in eighth grade. Um, so my, 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 in Macon, yes, all of this was in Macon.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. I didn't move from Macon until Albany. So my adolescent experience up until preteen was the black experience. I went to an all black school, um, like I said, it was, it was Christian-based, so a lot of our, our learning, um, like science, was based on, you know, the creations of God, et cetera, et cetera. So, I, I actually, um, I'm grateful to my mom for giving me that background and that opportunity to see and tap into um, that religious and black experience, you know, emerge together. Mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that a lot. So yeah, Macon, Macon was my foundation. Um, although my adopted family was from Macon, I came to find out as an adult that a lot of my biological family was in Macon as well. Uh-huh. So yeah, so that's, that was my Macon experience. And about 2008, I graduated from high school, um, Rutland High School in Macon. And from there, I went to Albany to pursue initially criminal justice. I changed my major from criminal justice to English, and then during that transition, I began learning more about myself and my religion, my spiritual experience and from there I just put, I, I um, decided to become self-taught
0: in terms of self-taught in what arena all all arenas
1: <laughs> all arenas yeah it started um spiritually because at Albany state of course it is a, a predominantly black. Well, it was a predominantly black college and university, and so what I came to learn in the English field, I learned and saw a lot about myself. Learning about Langston Hughes and Bethune, and you know, all of the, a lot of the great African American inventors and influencers that we have in our in our culture, I became a lot. I immersed myself into that information until it you know, I was consumed in it
3: mm-hmm. and that was
1: my focus. So when it was time to go to fitness and all these other things that I had in my curriculum, I wasn't interested. So, you know, mm-hmm. my classes just kind of fell to the wayside and I put, I put that information first and I just mm-hmm. began teaching myself about everything that I was interested in at the time I was interested in it rather than having it, you know, given to me on a schedule.
0: So when did you guys come together? When did, when did y'all meet and, and uh, establish a relationship?
2: Uh, we met in 2009 at Albany State. And we were just friends at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I left Albany State because I came to the same realization that that structured way of learning just wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things that I was interested in as far as my life was concerned, I could teach myself. Mm-hmm. I left Albany State in two thousand at the end of two thousand ten, after just one year of school, and moved back to Atlanta. But we stayed in contact, and we got together in two thousand
0: fifteen. Okay, here was that here in Albany, or was that after you moved to Atlanta, Shari?
1: That was in Otwell. Uh-huh. <laughs> she was
2: always back and forth to Atlanta. Michigan. Okay. Okay. And, in 2015, I decided to move down to Albany so we could build something together.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. So, you know, y'all, that was, that was a little bit under my radar. You know, I didn't, <laughs> I wasn't exactly tracking you guys. On your website, you know, you talk about, you use the term the trinity in talking about you and you and Steve and the baby and, you know, just looking at you, it is is—it is so that. I mean, the energy of 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 the union, you know, like the, this pyramid is, is stepping out, just emerging all around you, you know, there's ox floating in the air and whatnot. And so it's like, it's really, <laughs> really, really wonderful. So, and you both talked about your family's, uh, your Christian upbringing and how that informed you. However, you didn't stay with the with the dogma or the doctrine of Christianity, but the principles stayed with you so explain how you know where you've come, what that spiritual journey that you referred to Steve, has been like, and where you and what it has come to be what is it now
2: well i don't I still don't put a label on my spirituality, so I don't fall into any specific category
3: mm-hmm.
2: but um I would say growing up, we were taught, you know, right is right, wrong is wrong. And if you don't do what we consider right, you're going to hell. Wow. And that never resonated with me. I always felt like there was more to it. So I just started digging deeper out. I, I remember when I was younger telling my mom the church we were going to, I said, There's something wrong about the pastor. And I feel like he's misleading everybody in the congregation. But I was only four years old, so my mom was like, you know, you don't know what you're talking about.
0: How old were you?
2: Four. And I was telling her that there was something wrong with the pastor in the church, and I didn't like it. And she didn't think I knew what I was talking about. And the next year, it came to the light that the pastor was convincing different ladies to break up with their husbands so he could have relationships with them. Wow. And then we went to a new church and it was a similar situation, but just not with the pastor. But the people of the church, I was telling my mom that there was a lot of things wrong with those people.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But still, you know, I was told to stay in my place and you know just follow the rules and everything will be all right. And you know, you know how black parents are. You know yes. that's why, it's because I said so. Right. So I always just had that on my heart that I wanted to know why. What, what's the meaning behind all this stuff that we're being taught? So that, that's why I started my spiritual journey. And now I'm at the point where everything I believe in is what I've experienced and what I feel, mm-hmm. not just what I've been told.
0: Have you so been that- able to maintain that, that connection, that intuition, that, that awareness, that spiritual awareness that you had as a child? Have you been able to maintain that as you grew?
2: I've had times where I was disconnected because I felt misled and I let the anger overcome me.
0: Mm-hmm. So I would
2: make poor decisions and, think, and I followed a path that wasn't anywhere near spiritual. But still with those, with those experiences and those daily interactions, I always felt, you know, in the background, behind all the things that I was doing that there was still more to life. And once I, I felt like I, you know, traveled along the dark side, then I started to come back to the light.
0: I hear that. So, Shari, describe the light. What is, what is that light? I'm sure you share the, the point of view that it's not about the label. It's about the experience, the feelings, and so forth. So what are some of those things that are incorporated in light? What is that? Um,
1: for me, um, my first experience with like, so to speak, would be just creation, like the creations of the universe. That's when I became more connected to self and spirit. I've always been an outdoorsy type of girl, but um, I found myself in times of sadness and depression, being able to go outside, go into nature, you know, sit on the patio, walk around in the park, and that became my solace to -hmm. the point where I wanted to know what is the connection between human and nature,
3: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, for me to be able to heal myself just simply by going to the park. That's something I did a lot in Albany because, you know, that was a time... Uh, in my life that I was just finding myself and finding myself lost and, you know, and finding myself again and then losing myself within. and so during those times, I would always find myself in the park, just in the park, sitting under my favorite tree sometimes I'd pull up and just sit in the park sometimes I'd walk around but when I became connected to nature, everything else um, spiritually for me began to align so
3: that's
1: that's
0: number one Awesome. Can you does that, that resonates with you pretty well, Steve?
2: Oh yeah, definitely. Me and nature have a very strong connection. <laughs> oh, like
1: Turtle
0: Park.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Turtle Park. So so together together here in Albany, y'all were exploring and back and forth between here and Atlanta. Y'all were exploring your your spirituality individually and collectively, correct? Yes. yes. And so what was it that was the final decision to move from Albany to Atlanta? Uh,
2: That was my impulsiveness. Okay. um, We had our spiritual experiences and then we had our physical experiences and our material experiences. And our our spiritual experience was extremely heightened. Like we had reached a new spiritual high that we never experienced together or separate before, and it was amazing. But our physical and material experiences were reflecting that. And I just, out of nowhere, had a a feeling like, if we move back to Atlanta next month, everything will change. Wow. All these wonderful things. And I didn't know what we were going to do, how we were going to do it, and what the reason for the feeling was, but I just knew if I did it, it would happen. And I told Shar, I don't care what you say, we're going. <laughs> I'm, on call, I'm going by myself. <laughs> so and, I got my stuff prepared, made my uh-huh. phone calls, and I was headed out. And she was like, No, nah, you're not leaving me. <laughs> <laughs> and we made, made the move. So she started making her phone calls, and we made our living situation happen. We transferred from our job in Albany to our job in Atlanta with the same company with Office Depot. And just like that, we were in Atlanta.
0: That's so fabulous. So how did you feel in that moment, Shari? It was like when you saw him, was his back headed for the door when you said, okay, no, 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 no. Pretty
1: much, <laughs> you know, <laughs> pretty much. Um, I felt, because he told me it was, I think we had a good two and a half to three weeks to plan, but that was still so sudden. And
2: um it was no plan.
1: Yeah, there was no plan. I still put on the spot. Mhm. Mhm. But what reminded me um and kind of reassured me was the synchronicity in his epiphany about us moving to Atlanta and like I think it was a few days a few days before that I I had written um Oh, he hit his head. Okay. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I've, I've written my resignation letter mm-hmm. to Office Depot. It was just one random night. I'm sitting in the living room. I'm like, man, I got to work in the morning. I don't feel like going. You know what? I'm sick of this job. I'm writing a resignation letter, and I just wrote it. I didn't mm-hmm. turn it in the next day or anything like that. I just said, well, you know, when it's ready, it's ready. And then here he is three days later. Like, look, we got to oh, go. Wow. <laughs> oh, uh, that was one thing that you know just kind of helped me. yes, Get together like okay, all right. Now that makes sense.
0: So. Yeah. So you know that's that's an important point. Those synchronicities are are like very much a part of living a, a spiritual life. Being able to listen, listen to yes. yourself, and listen to the experiences that are happening with you. Just just like the what you described as a child, being right. able to really connect with what was with the energy that was present but that wasn't being spoken on. And so in, in this case, you had evidence that right. experience that was being called for had an omen, you know, a positive right. omen before that. And so you went on, so that was in 2015 when you moved to Atlanta?
1: No, um, 16, 16.
0: Yeah. 16. And then how long did it take? For, well, you said that um, back to, back to my roots happened in 2018. Right. And so, what was the, the process for getting that started? Because, you know, um, going, <laughs> going with a job, you know, with a regular job and all that, kind of a new environment for living for you, Shari. And certainly it was new to be living there together. So, how did you, how were you able to make that happen? Because a lot of people, and I'm, and I'm one of the things that this is, this is instructive for a lot of folks who want to. Take they want to be entrepreneurs. But they just don't really see the way to make that happen. Being connected with the was a was kind of a leg up for you, even though you may not have had uh, fifty thousand dollars in the bank to get to get, your, get a business started. You had that spirituality. You had that guidance that was helping right. you. You had your union that was helping you. So how did you know in that environment? How were you able to put those things in place? to start the business? I,
1: we started out unknowingly transitioning into entrepreneurship when we moved here. Um, like Stephen would say, we transferred our jobs. So of course, when we got here, we were still working. Mm-hmm. But we had a, a, a bigger responsibility because, you know, the cost of living in Atlanta is much higher than it is, you know, double Albany.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: one person that made it happen and helped us, make it happen was my aunt um she's lived in Atlanta since I was like six seven you know and so she's always had this experience but even when my whole family was in Macon she would come visit from Atlanta to Macon she's like I'm not moving back this is where this is home to me mm-hmm. so when I when I called her and told her because years prior to me telling her I was moving to Atlanta she wanted me to leave Albany. She's like, Shari, won't you just, you know, find something else to do. If it's not working out for you there, don't just stay there. And I'm like, I understand, but there, it just has to be uh, the right time. You know, I'm doing something here. I know it might look like I'm I'm not doing anything, but I'm doing something here. Let me finish up here first. So I called her and I told her, you know, like, you know, uh, I'm moving to Atlanta. And she's like, When? This month, you know, like, she's like what? <laughs> Where are you gonna live? And you know, like, well, you know, I'm thinking maybe I can live with you for a while and, until I get on my feet. She's like, no, baby, you can't live with me. But, but wow. she did have a, yeah, she did have a property for us um, to get started in. She had, just had a tenant move out of one of her rentals, wow. and so she got it set up for us, like as quickly as possible because awesome. if she said it was a lot of work you know the person had just moved out but mm-hmm. you know if this is what y'all want to do y'all need a plan you know like I said we didn't have one but she was like y'all need a plan come up with something I'll give you some leeway for one month and after that it's up to you okay so that, that's what we did. We came up here, you know, we had um Office Depot as, as a crutch, and it really was a crutch because the not only the pay, but the environment, it was on the other side of town about 30 minutes out in Albany traffic. Mm-hmm. So that's like an hour in, in Atlanta, Atlanta traffic. traffic right. You right. um, know, we both worked there, but we had different schedules. Like they put him on the schedule for the what morning shift, like early morning shift, mm-hmm. and then I went in right after him. We didn't have time to drive back and forth, so what I would do, we would drive out together. I'd sleep in the car until my shift, wow. and then when I got ready for my shift, I'd go in and work, and he'd pick me up after work. Um, I'd say about a month into doing that. <laughs> <laughs> we were done we were done you know on indeed the regular regular, just looking for another opportunity and i saw independent contract i forgot what it said but it was like independent contract make your own schedule you know make up to this amount of week and i'm like this may be this may be what we need
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: so the person called me back after I put in an application, I actually had to work that week. And she called me back and was like, "You know, if you want to make some money, we're giving away free phones um, to the public. It's a government program, and pretty much all you have to do is sign them up for phones, and that—that's the job." So I said, "You know, it's—it's it's worth looking into." And and I I went back there and I told Stephen, I said, "Hey, babe, you want to look into this opportunity? We can go out and meet the people and, and see what it's all about." So of course he was with it. We went and met met with the um the people that was orchestrating the the program, and you know they were like, "I'm sorry, is this hold on? Can I hold for something?" Yeah, go
0: ahead. So this is a very interesting um process because Shari is sharing with us some like some real details about. Point A to point B, because sometimes there's a lot that goes into getting from point A to point B. And just like this point right now, they are together making sure that Ashabi is still being taken care of, still being, being a part of the scene. He doesn't have to just like completely go out of the scene, but just just letting him be comfortable and okay in this process, so all of that is like the real deal for for folks who are married, folks who are entrepreneurs, folks who are even single parents, young parents who are, who are working with young children. So it's all very very instructive, and uh, I know that our listeners will get a get a whole lot out of this. So go ahead, Shari.
1: Yeah. So um, long story short, we went and met with the, with the couple that was orchestrating the program and. We really, what they said, we needed a tent. They said you need a tent and some
3: chairs, a, t- table, and some and chairs. a table and
1: some chairs. You have to you get your own tent. tent, you had to get your own stuff. We had $50 between us both, and we threw it you know, just threw it in the pot, went to the store, got the tent, might as well give it a try. A
3: table.
1: I already had a table, yeah, I already had a table, <laughs> and um. He said let's give it a try so we did and the first week went well the second week went well after Um after the
2: second, week, after we the second week
1: yeah we quit our job we called office depot and was like look you <laughs> <the>
0: second- <laughs> that's awesome did did office depot change your salary from albany to atlanta
1: did that yeah we went up just a little we went up okay. like a dollar
0: one dollar oh wow not the not the double that the cost of living, you know. No, would no one
1: dollar.
0: Wow. Okay. So
1: for those two years, we were independent contractors. Um, and the last nine months of um contracting with this company, we began including merchandise into um our setup.
3: Oh, awesome.
1: So having the free phones, we included, you know, headphones and phone chargers, phone chargers and that things like hard. that until, yeah. because even that's not guaranteed, that that's still... Mm-hmm someone else's company that they're orchestrating and then they're hiring out, you know, outside labor for that. So we Absolutely. knew that with the fluctuation of the government and those type of programs, we couldn't depend on that either. So thankfully, as we began transitioning the merchandise into our setup and the phone industry started dying out. So we got less and less phones and more and more merchandise until our setup was pretty much a whole store
0: Fabulous. outside yeah fabulous and so did you continue to set up outside in various locations
2: no we um we found two years we were in the same location
0: okay you
2: know, okay up in the West End. and that was our main location every day that's why our customers knew to come get their free phones and whatever merchandise we sold and over time our merchandise went from things that were connected to the phones to more cultural. cultural items and natural things mm-hmm. so we started and oils and incense and African items and next thing you know we had a, a nice little cultural store on the corner <laughs> <laughs>
0: that, that vision was that vision of let's go to Atlanta right now
2: really panned out
0: and so so you stayed there and then how long did it take for you to get your location for your store
2: it was at the end of that nine months like we started December Selling merchandise. Like, like November or December of 2017 selling merchandise with the phones.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: in June, yeah, I think it was June of 2018, someone reported us to city. And the officers came out and told us that we didn't have the proper permits to be selling stuff on the corner. That we would have to be Shut down completely, and we couldn't do it anymore. And for the type of setup that we had, we did our research. The type of setup we had, there was no permit. Wow,
0: that was June.
2: Yeah, that was June. So we took maybe a week off, I and
1: more. It was like
2: two weeks. Yeah, maybe two weeks. And we, you know, talked to a few people, told them the situation, and a guy across the street who had two permits for that location let us do one of his spots and we went back out saved up money and the entire time between June and August we were looking for an actual shop a location that we could you know start our own business Mm -hmm. and that's when we found the the place that we're in right now in the middle of August I believe
0: and is it near where you were set up before
2: Right around the corner. Just the next block over
1: the
0: next fantastic. So it was an easy transition for your customers to to go from, from there to there. And they were happy to see you grow, I know, I'm sure. Yeah. They yeah. were. And so your merchandise now includes what uh tell some of the things that your merchandise includes.
1: Um, I'm gonna start from the front of the store and work work my way. We have natural hair and skincare. Mm-hmm. Some of those products I make myself, others I'm transitioning out as I begin to make. So that would include carrier oils for hair and skin, you know, avocado, sunflower, coconut, those oils. We have natural vegetable-based soap,
3: shea
1: mm-hmm. butter, you know, um, raw black soap, cocoa butter, mango butter. Um, we also have fragrances, in-home fragrances, burning oils,
3: mm-hmm. body
1: oils, Incense, Copper Jewelry, Stephen makes the Copper Jewelry. He's 29th Dimension Jewelry is the name of the company. Mm. Um, healing crystals. I feel like I'm probably leaving some stuff Francis out. Frank and myrrh.
2: Yeah,
1: resins. Frank and Myrrh, resins, mm-hmm. and all of the accessories to burn, you know, whatever type of incense and things they may have.
0: That's, that's awesome. And I, I look, your website is so neat. It's so like easy to, easy to shop. On your website, I love it. And it's simple, it's direct, it's sharp, it's clear. And I, I definitely invite our listeners to go to your website and grab some of those great products that are available. And so you, you told me, you reminded me just now uh, when you said 29th Dimension. Yes. 29th Dimension. That, I want to know where that came from, where that name came from. And also, uh, back to my roots, that must mean a lot to you how did that name emerge
1: okay so back to my roots was during a time i came up with that name in i think 2011 10 or 11 i just had a vision that these 9 to 5s even at even then i'm like they're not going to cut it for life you mm-hmm. know so mm-hmm. there's something that i must do something that you know must be built for family a uh, centered around family that that will speak to the entrepreneur inside myself. And so, you know, I thought about the terms of my relationship with my biological family. It was coming up on the time that I would be able to meet them and get to know them. Um, I had to wait until I was 21. I, I know I said 18, but when I turned 18, the law changed.
3: Oh. And so,
1: yeah, the law had changed. And so I had to wait until 21. That was three more years. And mm. so so I was thinking, you know, back to my roots that just spoke to that situation and it spoke. Yeah. Family business and and what where I saw myself during this time,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and, that, and I just kind of sat on that idea and and just knew that back to my roots would be you know one day, so that's where that came from.
0: That's beautiful.
1: And I brought it to Stephen when you know when we got together. I was telling him the vision, and he was like, "That's it. That's that's
0: what we're doing." So, uh, Steve, what does twenty 29th dimension? What does that represent?
2: Well, twenty-nine dimension. um, I was looking for a unique name for my copper business. I kept seeing copper creations and and wire jewelry, and you know, just the same thing regurgitated over and over. And I was like, what can what would make my copper business stand out? Mm -hmm. And so I was thinking to myself, I was like, because I'm in another dimension from all of these people. Mm -hmm. I'm not on the same page on the same level. This Mm -hmm. is my unique thing that I'm doing. And I started researching oh, copper just okay. to have a better understanding of the metal, the element that I was using. Mm-hmm. And saw uh, that copper was the 29th element on the periodic. Uh-huh. So I put those two together and came up with 29th dimension. And as usual, even with my music production, um my name Steve O Sounds, was never used before. You can't, can't find it anywhere else. And same with 29 Dimension, it was never used before. So I had an original name in there, so I took it and ran with it. Beautiful.
0: <laughs> that is some great stuff, talking about how all of that came about. And now it's growing and accessible, both in person and online. It is accept- I can order online, correct?
2: Yes, you can order online from my construction because we're uh, like up now to be more Shopping for our customers and representing 29 like Dimension and Back to My Roots
0: and Sage money Naturals
2: the way that we are now and not how we started off.
0: Okay, we um, yeah, we are having some transmission problems, and that didn't quite come through 100%, so can you repeat that? Because I want to make sure folks hear it.
2: Yes, we can. you can shop with us on Etsy, Etsy.com slash shop slash Back to My Roots. But okay. our website, back to my roots.com, is under construction so it can better represent Back to My Roots, Sage, Imani Naturals, and 29 Dimension Jury.
0: Okay, ah! so look for you on Etsy. Yes. Right now. How soon do you think your website will be ready for a full launch?
2: In about three to four weeks.
0: Awesome. Okay. All right, so let's talk about. Um, Back to a little bit more personal information. Uh, let's talk about marriage. Uh, first of all, what what is marriage? What does marriage mean to you guys?
2: Well, to me, marriage is a complete spiritual and emotional commitment to the person that you choose to spend your life with, and it's a it's a not necessarily a parent contract, but a vow and a contract between you, that person, and god or the creator or the source
3: ah. so that, you, know,
2: you will be loyal and have the utmost respect for that person take care of them through thick and thin and through mm. everything that you may experience and you you'll do everything together mm. to the best of your ability to make it work out for the for the greater good sorry oh. um <laughs> what did you not say <laughs>
1: Yes, marriage to me is a spiritual commitment. Um, It is a union between two people, myself, Stephen, and the universe. Um, For not just ourselves, but we set the example and we are paving the way for our family, for our future generations. And Mm -hmm. so this union is... Its personal, but it's also um shared between generations if that makes sense so i f- I feel that it's important um for us, like I said, to be the pioneers of love and unity and cooperative understanding between ourselves and our and our family
3: awesome.
0: That's awesome. did you all have a wedding?
1: no
3: no,
0: we have not had a wedding yet. Um, I think that that's so important. The, the understanding that a marriage is is about the relationship, the, the union between the two people and between those two people and the community, which is what you were, you were referencing, Shari. In African tradition, we're going to have some more folks in the next season of Blood and Spirit coming on to talk about how much the communities in Africa, the traditional communities, understand that they stake in a marriage. Not that they're always manipulating and having prearranged marriages or whatever like that, but the understanding and the structure is designed with the appreciation for the impact that that union is going to have on the community at large. And that what happens there, what happens in that union, is going to really impact what goes on in the community. So I definitely appreciate that perspective and that your marriage doesn't belong to the state. It's not something that the state has to sanction. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, I think, having ceremonies and stuff like that. I'm not against that. It's just that the essence of marriage is a relationship and, uh, between the people and the community. So, what are some of the tools and practices that you all use to maintain harmony in your relationship in your household?
2: Communication is number one. So, no matter what it is, no matter how we feel about it, we make sure we communicate and are completely truthful with each other. <laughs> yeah, when
1: situations occur that I may not agree with, or that he may um, he may not agree with, he might not agree with. He and myself, we always come to a place of understanding one another's points of view. view. He may not agree with the, the terms of the conversation as far as how I feel about what he did or what he didn't do, but he does respect and understand my position as far as me expressing expressing my view and my my emotions and how I feel about about whatever situation it is and vice versa. So we make sure that we communicate our our ideas and our qualms and our appreciations. Even you know, it's not all about the, the struggles and the problems or any type of difficulty. We just make sure that we we remain open and available to one another. In the, in the areas of
0: communication. Awesome. Awesome. And I, I like to ask parents of young children, what is your take on corporal punishment?
2: Mm. I don't
0: even like that word. Yeah. It's, <laughs> <around>. <laughs> it's so military. <laughs> <laughs> Just bring the military, bring the army and the police in the house right away.
1: Right. I feel that, um, like, myself and Stephen, We don't. We don't hit one another you know we don't corporally punish one another we communicate and so I feel like it's just as important to communicate with our children as it is with ourselves because we have to set the example for them I, if he gets upset and I do something wrong he's not punching me you know or or, or taking a belt at my, my backside um a shabby and our kids they deserve the same respect so.
3: that's how I feel about it
0: so you talked about some of the values that were paramount in your home, uh, both of you, as you were growing up. Have you added to or subtracted from those values? You know, are there, there's something like that's really paramount that you can see that it may be different from what you grew up with, but it's still an evolution of that same thing. Yes,
1: we encourage asking questions. That was one thing that um, Stephen brought up um, in the beginning of the interview mother and some family you know I'm an adult you're the child you don't question said, me it's because
2: I said so you know we encourage asking questions so I definitely we, don't believe in just giving ultimatum and not having a reason behind it mm-hmm. I'm going to explain to my children this is why I feel like you aww. should. aww
0: <laughs> you get a kiss for that
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: i definitely representing that concept
1: and also um just taking personal responsibility that was another um thing well in my family i know for sure that you know if if something goes well thank jesus if something goes bad it's the devil well in this household we teach that we take personal responsibility for our successes and for our failures if something goes well we were in alignment. With our divine purpose, you know, with the universe and everything that was in store for us. Let's keep that up. If something goes wrong, we're not failures, but we do have to correct it by finding out where we went wrong. And then, you know, just rectifying whatever that situation is or will be.
0: Fabulous, fabulous. And that's all about... All about interaction. Sometimes I ask, how do you carry your values into daily life? Well, that, that is a value for daily life. I mean, it, it's a description of how you actually live your daily life. So it, it's all, that question is already answered. What are your goals in parenting?
2: I would say just to raise our kids, not necessarily just to be better than we are, but to be completely self-sufficient. So to be able to do everything for themselves that the system can't do for them so that they, they won't be dependent on the government or the people around them or someone else's business for the their entirety of their lives like our parents were. So that's one of my main goals for, for raising my children. They teach them morals and values, of course, but to be self-sufficient for themselves and the next generations to come
1: yeah what's important for me is some leadership teaching them to be pillars of the community if they feel as though they don't have and i don't feel like they will because of how we're how we're raising and bringing them up um, they're always going to have community support even if it's just mom and dad you know we are the beginning of that community for them so to me leadership and community leadership is is very important to be influential leaders in whatever respect is necessary for them mm-hmm. not necessarily a public speaker or the president of the united states or the president of the black you know delegation but just whatever leadership looks like to them as productive members of our community mm-hmm. i encourage that
0: yeah i listen and, you know, you you sp- both spent some time in Albany. This first season of Blood and Spirit is all about exploring uh, Black family culture in Albany. And I, and I know that your unique position of having, being both someone who was a quote-unquote immigrant to Albany, you came from Macon, lived here for a while, and now you're an expatriate somewhat of Albany. So you have a, a really interesting perspective where you can talk about what the experience is like here, and what are some of the things that, that you would recommend for the improvement of Albany culture? What are some of the challenges that you've seen in family culture in Albany?
1: I feel that Albany is, uh, it has a very histo- historic Black history. The Black history in Albany is so strong that I feel like um, for the for the people there, a lot of them haven't connected to that part of the land to Albany as what they call little Atlanta because of its its black history. Am I correct in saying that um Albany was referred to that before
0: um I have I didn't hear that statement, but I heard a statement that goes further back in the history, you know, before the Civil Rights Institute, back to the, um, I mean, before the Civil Rights Activity, back to the the Civil War. When Albany was known as the Egypt of the South, because it produced so much food for the war effort on the Confederate side. So so it's been like it has it has had a place in the region as a sort of a central cultural and financial location.
1: Okay. Um what I was what I was getting at um, with the black with the black history of Albany, I feel like it has so much potential as far as the art and the culture. What I noticed though oh, wow. so much the the people around my age at the time, my early 20s, you know, I wanted them to be a bit more involved, you know, to be able to build more. But in the neighborhoods that i lived in, it just seemed like a lot of them were just trans. And I wasn't understanding why everything was just moving to me like so slow almost like it was like I was in another dimension. I'm like, hey y'all, let's, you know, break out of this, whatever this is. It just seems so heavy. And so mm-hmm. whatever that is, I feel like there should be a discussion centered around it, especially with the African Americans of Albany, because it's something to to explore and try to figure out, you know, mm-hmm. what what that that shadow, looming shadow is, mm-hmm. you know, because what i got from from my experience there now for family your family yourself and tenor and the kids that was my my first experience with albany you know a family in albany being connected because prior to meeting you you all and your family it was just me you know so so y'all set a a beautiful example you know i was able to i was able to visit tenor to go to the community garden you know the iLogic pro- project, where we would all come together, the meeting of the minds, to figure out, you know, what what we're gonna do here in this book club and here in this economic, you know, development opportunity. Mm-hmm. I love I love that, and that, but that honestly, that was my only experience, positive family experience, and everything else centered around that. I felt because of so many people in Albany, so many African Americans and their families are rooted historically in there in that place if every not everyone but you know with the the large majority of them having that same ideal coming mm-hmm. together like eye i-logic perspective yes albany definitely transition and and raise the vibration of of the land
0: raise the vibration that's um i think that's a strong a really strong recommendation for albany and and the beautiful thing is that it, it actually is happening is happening, however, more on an individual level. And so one of the things about our logic was that it brought a conscious community together. And so having that opportunity for to bring all of that together, I think will be very beneficial. So just one more thing, a couple more things, few more things. Um, how important, you talked <laughs> about, how, <laughs> you talked about the importance for, for establishing a legacy and taking that forward. Have you started a system for collecting and presenting your uh, family memorabilia and that sort of thing? Um, not yet, not
1: yet. Are you meaning similar to your project that I've seen? Um, you are collecting quotes, grandmothers' quotes, and right, right, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, I would, I would love to start something of the sort. We just haven't, we haven't explored that area of our family as of
0: yet. But I, I, I love that idea. Yeah, whether it's a um, family reunion tradition or collecting the photographs and putting all the photographs in one place and just, just uh, making sure that once you, that, that history is available and accessible to all the members of the family, present and future members. So a couple more questions. What is your five-year vision for your family?
1: Five years. I'm looking at 19 22, 1, 2, 24. In
0: five years,
1: um, wow. Okay. In five years, um, I do us even more evolved than we are now. So, to me, that looks like us being financially stable. Because one thing about it, um, where we are. <clears throat> Not to you know go too much into our finances, but a lot of people feel that or think that okay, you know they're entrepreneurs, they own their own business, they're doing the thing. But it's a lot more difficult, you know, running your own business, managing your time, buying merchandise to restock the shelves, and doing it on your own. You know, have a team of a team of um, employees or anything like this. It, it, it's myself and Steven. So I I feel in five years, you know, Back to My Roots will be large enough for us to be able to have hired, expanded, have a larger space to house, not just merchandise, because it's also about community. And a lot of our customers, they come and they don't just want to buy from us, they want to learn from us, they want to share with us, they want to sit with us, you know, they want to read with us. So it's important for us to have a community space that speaks to everyone's needs mm-hmm. as far as purchasing, buying, you know, that this and the third. But if you're buying sage, we should be having an energy cleansing sessions, you know, mm-hmm. things of that nature to teach people what these items are. Sell. So, um, yes, in five years, I do see us exp- having expanded and being able to incorporate a lot more of that. What I just spoke on into our business giving us a little more time to enjoy the enjoy the meaning of back to my roots. You know, okay. not just the business aspect of it, but we do plan to travel, spend more time at home.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um a shopping will be five around that time. Yeah, it'll be five. So it's important for him to to explore the avenues of the world. We want mm-hmm. to travel with him, teach him all about what we're doing and not just telling him, you know, go put that on the shelf, go do that because it needs to be done. He needs to know the meaning behind all of this and why we're doing it. So so that's,
2: that's my take on it.
0: Sounds great. Is Steve nearby? Can he uh, weigh in on this question as well?
2: I'm sorry, I didn't hear the question.
0: What is your five-year vision for your family?
2: Honestly, I don't have it all mapped out. <laughs> So in the next five years, whatever comes, comes. Um, of course, we plan to be more successful than where we are right now. And we want to teach Ashabi Shabby and my son Steven to learn everything that we have going on in the shop and to be a part of the family business. That's not necessarily going to be their path if they don't choose it, but we still want them to be well-rounded and know
3: mm-hmm. what
2: to do and who we are as a family. Mm-hmm. So um, in the next five years, I do see us growing and becoming more successful as a family and as a collective.
0: Awesome! I, yeah, we hadn't talked about Stephen. How old is Stephen?
2: Stephen is six now. I'm six!
0: I didn't know about Stephen, and mm-hmm. so that's great to know. So Shabi already has a big brother right at home. That's uh, that's good stuff. And so how is Stephen working in and with the with the business right now? What's his awareness level?
2: Steven's not at home right now. He's in New York with his mom. Okay. But when he does come to Atlanta, um, he'll be home soon. When he does come to Atlanta, then he'll get to start. But he has, been, he has been a part of the process from a distance. So uh-huh. he's everything that's been going on as it's progressed. And he's excited about becoming a part of the family.
0: That's awesome. So evolution has already taken place. Uh, you had that those years where... You did not have an opportunity to, to spend time with your dad and you're fixing that for yes. this generation like, Absolutely. So what advice would you all give to your 70 year old selves? That's kind of a flip. Usually people ask, <laughs> What would you give to your younger advice would you give to your younger self? I want to know, look forward, what would you give, what advice would you give to your 70 year old self?
1: Party, party, party! (laughs) (laughs) Every day is a celebration. So Uh wake up, you know, sit outside, hit the hit the either either the patio or the porch. You pick one. (laughs) (laughs) Have a cup of tea and just enjoy. You know, Uh enjoy the fruits, the physical Uh fruits, and
3: you know, Uh
1: all the the fruits of our labor.
0: Just enjoy life. That's what I would tell. Awesome. What about you, Stephen?
2: You said seventy or seventeen?
0: Seven zero.
2: Oh, 70? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> you no just idea.
0: you're just waiting and listening to those spiritual messages as they come, right, Stephen?
2: Yeah, I just go with the flow, and it always works out. Okay. I move with spirit.
0: I hear you. this is is my final question and i think that you've actually given me some clues as to what your answer is already and it is uh, again focused on albany if you had absolute power such that whatever you say will happen what would be the one thing that you would do to improve family culture in albany
1: Ancestral veneration.
0: Uh Uh-huh.
1: If I had absolute power, um, that would be the one thing that I encourage the natives of Albany to experience. Ancestral veneration, um, honoring those who came before us. Mm -hmm. Those who lived in some ways in opposition to their choice what they would have chosen you know for themselves but they had to do what what was necessary at the time mm-hmm. um, our ancestors are everything to us here on this side and so i would encourage people to just start you know start with those in your family that have passed recently this year last year you know the year before that even those those whom you knew mhm whatever those relationships were, whether they were good or not so good, mm-hmm. um, if there were anything, if there were any words left unsaid and the relationship could have been repaired, don't don't think that because they have passed or transitioned that it can't still be repaired because those relationships continue, that energy does continue to, to matriculate throughout mm-hmm. the universe so mm-hmm. we can grab hold of that and still take advantage of
0: of those relationships. Awesome. Awesome. Steven, you have the same answer or a different answer?
2: I agree with that answer. So that would definitely be one thing that I would do. But another thing would be to be conscious of your diet. Mm-hmm. So if I had absolute power, I would let everyone know to make better choices concerning your mm-hmm. temple. Mm-hmm. Because you can't have that spiritual connection if you don't take care of your temple that connects you to that spiritual, spiritual side of yourself. And one thing that I noticed when we were living in Albany is that when we started the vegetarian going towards vegan process, everybody was looking at us like we were crazy. And there wasn't too many options on east side of Albany. You know
0: what I'm
2: saying? Pretty much everybody was eating out of a can or a box mm-hmm. or a something that was or a naked. window. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so or something that was genetically modified or fast food. So it was it was disheartening.
1: There's so much land in Albany. You know, there are growers. There are, you know, there are those food options. It's just making the conscious decision to want to live better. And once step out
2: of their comfort zone.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Once making that decision. I noticed that Albany has farmers' markets and right. and things like that available available to the people and it's just at times unfortunate that it's the older generations that are taking more advantage of the the food choice the better food choices and the healthier food options because they do realize that op- optimal health is very important you know to sustain a good life absolutely
0: you've hit on spiritual. Development as well as physical development and how they'll work together to improve the life. So we we got a we got a good team effort here. This has been a fantastic opportunity to talk with you, to hear your points of view, and to and to share those with our listeners. And I know that they're going to get a whole lot that they'll be able to use uh, in their own families. It's been so sweet being able to watch a Shabby in action. And so this is just absolutely great. I really appreciate your taking the time to do that. And now he can go ahead and get his rest because I know he can't rest while mommy and daddy are busy doing something else. he got to, he needs that moment, that ritual that, you know, is going to get him to have a good, comfortable nap. So thank you. Thank you so much. And I look forward to talking with you again and staying in touch.
1: Thank you for having us. We appreciate appreciate it. And I really enjoyed our our conversation
0: today. Wonderful. So thank you listeners. That's what it's about. Blood and spirit. Y'all have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye, Shabby.